Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thanks for joining me. Today, we speak to Libby Varco, who is the content community lead for the Digital Transformation Agency here in Canberra, Australia, but with responsibility for government transformation, not only at the federal government, but certainly influential with state governments as well. But we'll come... Uh, to that discussion and just about that role that she has at the moment. But just as a bit of background, Libby, as I found out in an earlier discussion, has been in this business for pretty much as long as I have, which is around the 20-year mark where she has been involved in copy and content role. And she has run, uh, most notably, her content agency, which was called Right Minded from 2001 through unto 2015. And what a stellar list of clients from the Digital Transformation Office, the Australian Museum, the National Museum, AMP, MBF, St George, Arts New South Wales, Qantas, the Art Gallery of New South Wales. So a very, very experienced content communication uh, professional and with a very, very big job. And she joins me now in the studio. Libby Varco, thanks very much for joining me in Transition. Thanks, David. It's lovely to be here. This content, let's go back to 1997 because I thought that was a great story. You were saying that you were working in a cafe when someone said, Libby, let's get into the content game. Yeah, the C, the C <laughs> word came up and uh, we'd never heard of it before, of course. So uh, um, I was, I, was uh, I think I might have even still been at university. So I studied um, communications at, at the University of Technology in Sydney and had finished my degree, uh, was waitering as, as all good uh, comms graduates do and uh, basically I was working with a with a friend and he said look I'm and he was actually he was he was working as a, an editor and he said look I think we need to break into this content world yeah it's funny isn't it because I, I remember back in those very earliest days I would go around and I'd have my card called the you know the content group and you'd give it to people and they'd look at it and they'd go oh that's nice the content group <laughs> Exactly. I had the same experience, David. Yes. I, and we, I certainly was content with content. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an interesting start. But what about your journey through through content? So it's been based really around those journalistic skills that you acquired through through journalism and, and storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did go on to actually do a degree in, in, um, in professional writing, majoring in screen. So that storytelling aspect has always really interested me. Um, I, I, I think my journalistic skills really have been probably the most useful, I think, out of all of my different skills. But um, I, I think it was just a, a nice coming together and, and then a lot of learning along the way, lots and lots of learning, yeah. uh, which continues right uh, now. And, and what were the most, in those earliest days, what did you find were, you know, the most common requests that people were were asking for in terms of content and what what problems were they seeking to solve I'm pretty sure they're the same ones as, as I still hear now, which is what what do I what do we do with this? We we're either producing way too much of it and we've lost control, or we don't really know where to start. Uh, we tried this, we tried that. Um, I, I I actually feel like the, the the problems. It's it's. I feel like I have in many ways been having the, the same conversation for 20 years. Right. Um, but I do feel like we're we're at a, a really lovely tipping point now with that um, in many ways as well. Yeah, I 
tend to agree with you because I think people now understand, you know, this great gift of mm. the democratisation of the factors of media production and distribution mean that they can go direct, that they can build audiences, that they can have conversations, mm. create experiences through content and really help them to solve whatever particular business problem it might be, whether it's in the public sector or, or the private Absolutely sector. Absolutely agree. But what about the skills? So now in this, you have a very, very big job um, and a very big responsibility in terms of the digital transformation agency. So perhaps maybe one step back um, to describe what it is that the digital transformation agency is trying to do at a macro level and then we'll dive into this sort of content challenge that you've got. Well, I guess our main focus now, uh, and in fact my title has recently changed to content capability lead, is around capability. And this is something that we uh, are really keen to to, um, to really focus on. And um, and I think it speaks to the fact that we know that as, uh, you know, content doesn't just sit necessarily with the content team. It often sits with, you know, the policy, the business areas, the line managers. Uh, it's it's not a, a siloed uh, product, or, or if you like. So um, for us, it's actually about, well, how do we, how do we A, work with our communities? So we actually are looking at those who do have a content skill set, particularly who are working in government teams. And we know there are many very strong people uh, on the front lines uh, doing this day in, day out. Um, but how do we actually also expand that um, awareness, I suppose, and the understanding of, of the value and the, the strategic advantage of actually having great content beyond just those who, who know it already? Yeah, in those... But I think increasingly, and this is our experience, is that those, those central comms areas are going to get smaller and the responsibility for content is going to be, as you identified before, distributed to the edges, you know, into these program areas, into the policy areas, and so that's where really that capability challenge is going to come, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that's necessarily new. I think, you know, decentralised publishing models and I think the way that, you know, and I, I know that both the private sector as well from my experience and, and government have experimented, well, which, which, is, which works best for us? Um, but I, I've one thing I sometimes hear when I'm out and about is, well, in my other job, uh, I, you know, this kind of separateness of content is not actually part of my role. And it's like, well, actually, if you pretty much have a computer and you come to work, you know, there's a fairly high chance that you, at some point there will be a touch point uh, with content. It might just be that you answer the phones and you understand what users, what people are actually calling up and repeatedly asking um, that needs to be fed back to the, the content team to address it online. So it's that, that kind of, uh, I guess, lifting onto the balcony of, mm. of this as a discipline and actually really deconstructing it and, and getting that word and, and kind of an understanding um, out there as part of our, our vision. How mature do you see the Australian government is in accepting that that is, is a challenge and, and, and an opportunity really to become more effectively at, at explaining their policies and programs, uh, regulations, services um, to citizens? Um, look, I think there's some really great comms teams in government who are very, very good at it, um, but that, that skill might be only be with them. Um, so I think that that's kind of extension um, of that skill and, and also understanding the interplay between those teams. So how does com comms relate to the web team? How does web relate to policy? Um, at the DTA, uh, a lot of the work or the way that we've actually structured ourselves is, is trying to really break down the silos. So, um, for example, we work in multidisciplinary teams. So we actually bring the right people who might be from quite disparate um, areas of, of typically, traditionally, um, sitting next to 
each other. Um, for example, to pair write something together, a content person and a policy expert or a tax agent or whatever, whatever the specialty is, um, trying to get us to work side by side as opposed to these being as a, a seen as a very separate, almost like baton-like approach where things get passed on to each other with, with very little um, kind of conversation or, or um, understanding of each other's needs really around that bit, bit of content. Mm. That's a, a sort of modern balanced matrix sort of approach to it. But is, do you find that that's difficult in government agencies, more traditional government agencies who are, you know, this is what I do and this is my job and this is who I work for and therefore that's what I'm going to do as opposed to looking over the fence and thinking, well, hang on, maybe I need some help in, in other areas? Yeah, look, I, I think it's, it's this is a time of change, I suppose, in, in that way and, and we, we understand that what the way that we uh, we want we, we recommend yeah. that this be done um, does make some people feel a bit uncomfortable and others are, are you know, incredibly keen. We, we run meet-up events and uh, are trying to really work with our content community. We have a kind of a community of practice of around 500 uh, content practitioners now connected to each other, talking, sharing, uh, whatever, bringing, you know, troubleshooting, solving issues together, which I don't think has ever been done before actually. Um, in, and it's, it's I think we, our role as the DTA is to create a comfortable space and conversation and dialogue around this to, to really try and get, um, it's not just the DTA saying that this needs to be the way, it's industry talking to the ATO about it or really kind of breaking it down so it becomes a, a whole of government conversation, not just us. Yeah, sure. And in those conversations, those 500, is that government at a local, state and federal level as not just the, not just federal government? Mm, we, we opened it up. It's, it's a mixed bag. So it's every level of government is represented from all over the country. And if you were to sort of say, and, and the biggest problem that they've got is... I have to think about that one. <laughs> very careful is, here. Is there, is, there a, is there a common set of challenges that perhaps they, you know, you often find that, oh, hang on, we're back at, you know, creation or distribution or yeah. evaluation, you know, we're... Yeah, so we did a uh, last year. We did a we commissioned a piece of research with ThinkPlace. I'm not sure if you've heard about I do. that. I and uh, we it was looking at basically the the content life cycle from birth to death because we recognise we know anyone who has worked in content um, knows that there you can have the best bit of content in the world, but there will be potentially um, problem points along the way. So, um, for example, if the intent of a piece of content isn't communicated up the line early on, there's a higher like, high chance that that content will be changed, shot down, modified, unrecognisable, because there's just been a lack of communication and understanding around its purpose. Um, things like uh, analytics not being shared, that business intelligence uh, kind of communicated across the organisation, missed opportunities. Um, so this this piece of content was really, uh, sorry, research was very important to us because it actually, it just it pointed out, gave us some evidence around what we felt were some of the pain points and that's something we've been able to share back um, to government and yep. actually also continue our work and investigation around that as well. So where are you on your journey at the moment? So what, what's the next sort of 12 months look like for the DTA in the uh, content space? Um, good question. It's going to be a big 12 months, I think. We've uh, we've certainly got a number of different content-based uh, products, strategies underway at the moment. Um, part of our 
a key part of our work is the digital service standards. So we are looking at providing um, support content um, around that as well. I think generally speaking, as, as I, I mentioned, uh, our, our main focus is about enabling. Um, so we have our own work in-house, in but in part, a lot of that role is guidance. Uh, and then there's this extension of that as we're taking that into the world, into government, into where it needs to actually be uh, and working with our communities and testing things, kicking the tyres, making sure that we're actually on the right track. Mm. And in, so with that capability, is there an education element to it as well, like a formal training of around sort of certain content skills? Yeah, we're, we're, we're certainly working that out at the moment, how we as a fairly small agency could deliver that on scale, yeah. uh, but it's certainly something we're, we're super keen to, to explore further. In terms of content and the, and the management around content strategy and the development of content strategies and the task of information management, you know, content hygiene, etc., does that responsibility lie with the DTA or does that still reside with the National Archives around records management and, and information management and the various standards that they've got? Yeah, we're working with, with them at the with moment them. actually, yeah, as part so, of this strategy work to really unpack this yeah. because we, we know there is a lot of confusion around it. Um, the Think Place research, you know, pointed out very clearly that we, are, we aren't we are archiving enough where we leave content up. Um, when I say we, I mean the whole of government because we, you know, we're not either unsure or we think, well, just in case. So there's kind of a... Um, a, it's a we know there also there are around 44 million.gov.au web pages floating out there. So <laughs> this is a big area um, and certainly this is something that we see really does disrupt the user experience. I mean, in any one day, as we all know, if you God. try to Google something and you, it's it's really, um, I think it's this, the, the KPMG report that we, we speak about, talked about half of us will fail in any day just trying to yeah. go through, access, you know, complete a, a, an online service. So, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there is just too too much yeah. there. But there is also, uh, you know, I certainly get the feeling going about the place that, you know, there is a real enthusiasm for change. You know, people want to do a good job and they want to make sure that their content is better and they want to make sure that the platforms that they publish their content on is better as well. So there's sort of a, I don't know, I feel like there's a real optimism around the space at the moment that people are understanding that they can be um, media companies on behalf of their policy or their program and regulation and that they're really taking on the challenge of, of getting better at it. Yeah, I think there's a lovely uh, awareness. I, I, I've, I mean, I, we... It's so lovely when I go to a conference or I, you know, you hear a CEO speech and the word content's actually mentioned. Um, yeah. This is, you know, this is big stuff. This is something we've been waiting for for quite a long time. Yes, People like you, my, my, yeah. yourself and myself. <laughs> um, but I think I think you're totally right. I think there's a great uh, sense of optimism and, yep, a sense of we can do this. We can actually, we can get on top of this. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and we're really excited by that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if we take it up as, at, at a higher level sort of and looking at, well, what are we actually talking about here? Because what we are talking about is really, you know, strengthening communities and improving the well-being of citizens by better explaining or informing them about what it is that government is doing. And that really is a, you know, fundamental underpinning to our democratic system. Absolutely. And we know that people don't typically go to government websites because they want to, it's because they have to or they need to, we're telling them to. Um, so that, that really frames our thinking in many ways. Yeah, but... That also, at the same time, doesn't mean that that experience need be anything other than, you know, a joy. That when people do come to a government, why not make it the best possible experience yeah. you can? Because 
that's what you're there to do. If you're a public servant, you're there in service of, of the public. Yeah, and I think just to, for, for us it's in many ways about efficiency is actually a joy. If you can just get in and get out and or, or find that bit of information that you need um, and move on, yeah. that that's the joy for us. It's, mm. it's really about really making sure that um, it's you know, an efficient process in the same way that if you went to a banking website, it would be equally yep. as efficient. So do you do you see then that there is less value in trying then for, for government organisations to create community online and to create value and it should be transactional? Or is or is the should the aspiration be perhaps a little bit higher than than just purely transaction? Yeah, I I, I think it's contextual. I I, I yeah, think that it okay. de- it really depends. depends. Actually, it yeah. depends. It yeah. depends. Hmm. Okay, so from your point of view, and it's, so just give us a bit of a, a guide then around your team at the moment, and and. Who, who do you have in your team and what sort of jobs do they do on, on a daily basis in trying to carry out what is, I've got to say, a pretty, you know, it's a fairly big remit that you've got, isn't it's it? It's a big remit. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we're very lucky. We're, so we have our, our, our disciplines, I suppose, in-house that we um, are part of our capability um, focus. So we have um, our service designers, our interaction designers, our user researchers, our content designers um, and our tech and accessibility um, peers as well. So we we're really looking at things. We we work, as I mentioned before, together. So we, we're typically a content yep. designer will be embedded into one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ha- we try to have content designers wherever we can find the opportunity to put one because we recognise that this is a critical role. Um, even sometimes people say, no, Libby, I don't think we need a content designer. And then about four weeks later they say, can we have a content designer, please? Um, so and, and when you say content designer, what does that person do? Yeah, so content designer, that's a, a role I suppose that we uh, pick up from gov.uk uh, and it, it, there's a little bit of contention around this. I had a, a, a conversation with one of uh, a consultant in Sydney from McKinsey around what they would define a content design, designer is and what we call a content designer. Um, essentially, it's, it's the role of designing the content. So that might be on a, uh, a micro level. So there, there's actually the, you know, the how do the words sit on the page? How do your, okay. how do things get shaped? But also then there's extension into, well, how does this actually uh, layer itself? What is the overall user experience in terms of how the user interacts through this information? So um, they're not designing strategy around the content as such. They're more designing the actual um, artefacts. Yeah, and so we, we have also a content strategy stream that we're now uh, working and developing in-house as well uh, who work with our content designers yeah. um, very closely um, and then also as, as part of this larger team. So we may have a content strategist and a service designer looking at something, looking at a service or unpacking it. So we're, we're really experimenting with the way that we our disciplines work together. Hmm. Okay, and how's that going? How, how does that all... It's great. It's very yeah. exciting, yeah. It's, it's really... Um, it's, I mean, I think for some one and I'm, you know, for anyone I think who, who has been in content or uh, knows content, uh, typically that content role isn't something that's picked up until the very end of the line. So you're kind of the last person to to hear about something, or you inherit, you know, a, a hundred pages of mess, and you're like, well, why didn't you just ask me before? I could have really helped you here. So I think for for most of our content, or for, I'm pretty sure for all of our content designers, I think probably one of the biggest buzz uh, buzzes is that we actually we come in very early. We work very, very closely. Um, we may be out on in, in sitting in participating in user research sessions, sessions, um, sitting in on, on testing sessions where we're actually getting our content, you know, the whole experience reviewed, um, which gives us great opportunity to finesse and uh, improve what we're doing. Yeah, right. So, so with that though, how that's and that's probably Bell's 
what is, you know, one of the largest problems around communication, you know, as much as it is around content, that it's a you know, perceived largely as an end-of-the-line function where it's tidied up on the way out. You know, WPP refers to it as the car wash mm-hmm. as it goes out the door. How best then can, you know, the content communication people get themselves involved? Do they have to knock the door down or should they wait for an invitation? Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in just knocking the door down personally. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I think this is part of the work that we do with our um, in our communities and with our capability work. We... We, we want our content peers across government to to be able to insert themselves into those conversations or or put their hand up and say can I come along to that yeah. meeting I'd love to I'd love to hear what you're up to and see how you know yeah. how I might be useful um, this isn't, isn't something that everyone is comfortable with we, we know that and it depends on in the environment that you're working in mm. um, but we we really feel that there's an empowerment um, kind of this groundswell of change that we we really we want content people to feel that they they are valued yeah. and to actually take that sense of, um, of value back into their workplaces and to, to speak up yeah and, and I do agree with that and they do have great skills but I also think at the same time there is a responsibility on the content people to be motivated and interested in the policy discussions that may be going on as well. You know, you just can't go in there and sit and be mute. You've got to get in there and, you know, add some value. Yeah, completely. And I look like I think, you know, I think the way we've been very spoiled, I think from my my personal experience at the DTA where um, we, that way, that working in the open, this kind of transparency around the work that we're doing is is very encouraged. Um, So there is opportunity to say, you know, oh, can I, I think this or I've I've, just read this and... uh, and but that doesn't always happen in, in other workplaces. But it's something that we we speak about ourselves a lot, and and we really we we would love others to even it's just one little thing, just to kind of think actually maybe I'll I will speak up. I'll I'll have an opinion because content people can be very quiet people as well. So that that's the other side of it as a generalisation. Yeah, uh, I'm not one of them personally, <laughs> but um, but I probably would have been a lot quieter early in, in my career. So I get it. Uh, so just just for just as a bit of a personal reflection, you so you had this. So consulting business and you were working for the DTA and then they said, oh, actually, can you come on and full-time? We want you to drop all the rest of it and want you to get involved. What was it that sort of convinced you that that was going to be a good idea, apart from the sp- perhaps the scale of the challenge? Ah, it just was an interesting look. I I think I probably, the last thing I was expecting, I I thought it was going to be a great, really interesting nine-week contract and I'd be in and out and back to my other clients. Um, uh, Look, I I think it was just this sense of change that this was actually something that was real and uh, a bit of a sense of purpose, I suppose, around the work and that this, not that my other work wasn't interesting at all, it was fantastic, but here was a chance to, I remember in one of my interviews saying that I I feel like everything I have learnt over the last 19 years has led me to this moment. Yeah. So without sounding too kind of deep and heavy, that was it was <laughs> it was definitely like a bit of a wow. This probably isn't going to happen again. I should probably get on this bus. Yeah, well, I, you know, I agree with you. I, you know, I I do think that that deeper level purpose, you know, it, it is so motivating. The fact that you know you are doing a good thing, you know, you are doing something that is strengthening the community and it is helping people by applying your your knowledge and your skills and your behaviour and your attitude. So it certainly does I, I can understand the appeal. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you, you and, and um I know, you know, you often get reminded of the purpose. I think I have elderly parents and they're kind of, you know, yeah. going through that elderly parent point in life and and where you, you know, clearly interact with government services um, more 
more than you would have been previously. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see them struggling with that and they come to me and mum complains regularly. Um, <laughs> Haven't you fixed this She do. She actually says that. Um, but I, 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 get, I get it and I, I, for me that, that's a motivator to try and kind of do my bit. Okay. 12 months' time we're sitting here. Um, what would you have liked to have done inside 12 months that would make you think I can go on my holidays in December 2018? What are the things – give me three things that you'd like to see up on the wall with ticks against them. It's mm. a really big question. Music. Yeah, mm. yeah. Look, I, <laughs> I, I think – look, I, you know, I guess a sense that the work that we are doing and um, – uh, I've been in my you know, current workplace for nearly two years. That that we're we're making we're moving forward. That we actually are seeing some great traction and seeing some uh, bigger big changes. Big change, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know, looking. I'd love to look around government and see lots of content designers. That would be that would thrill me to bits to actually see that role and content strategists. Uh, those two roles, I would love to see a flurry, uh, a, an expansion of of those roles, um, specifically with those titles. Um, and the third thing, I can't think of a third. Just a nice big holiday would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> You'll need one. You will need one because it is a big job. Um, but, yeah, as I said, I think the mood's right. I think we're sort of getting there. I think we're in a place now where – and certainly we're seeing it here, you know, like increasingly people are, okay, can we have, you know, more assets and can we publish those assets in a more logical, ordered, coherent way so as that we can build an audience over time, um, so as that we can, you know, convince them and explain to them what it is that we're doing because – as I, I said to you before, you know, 90, my view, and this comes from many, many, many years of experience, is that 99.9999% of what government does is to help the community. You know, they're not there to do anything other than help, but perhaps sometimes at the moment not quite as good as we need to be about telling that story. So anyway, it's going to keep you busy, going to keep me busy, and um, we will get after it. So Libby, congratulations on uh, on the job. Congratulations on the work you've done so far. Thanks very much for coming into the studio today um, and for the conversation, and no doubt we will speak again very soon. And to you, the audience, thank you once again for coming back for our conversation with Libby Varco. Inspiring conversation, I think, because this is the work that we are all in, people who are involved in government communication and in the content business. We have an opportunity and we've got to get after it. And with leadership with people from people like Libby, we will be able to um, strive further and fly higher into this into this uh, particular challenge. So thank you very Thanks, much, Libby. Thanks, That's very kind. And thank you, everyone. And we will be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.